Thank you so very much for the way that you have been worshiping this morning. It's great to be able to sit down front and to have the voices come forward and to be able to, to hear that. And I hope you've been encouraged by uh, the time that we have shared in communion with one another. I hope you've been encouraged by the singing that we have had together, by our time that we have spent so far. We're going to open up God's Word for a little bit this morning and allow that text to speak to us and hopefully speak into our lives and be able to challenge some things that perhaps are going on with us and, and help us to be able to, to make changes in our life and to help us to be able to become more like, more like Jesus. Before we get more into that, let's pause for a time of prayer. Father, as you look into your word this morning, we know that it will speak to us. And we thank you for your spirit and for the way that it works so powerfully in our lives and for the way that it convicts us. I pray that as we hear your words read today, that that, that conviction might be strong, that we might examine ourselves, that we might fall down before you in repentance if need be, that, Father, that we might recommit ourselves, that we might perhaps come to you in faith for the first time. We ask you to work mightily through the words which will be read and the things that will be said. In the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. I grew up a child of the 80s. Anybody, any 80s people in here? Anybody that remembers the 80s, right? I would ask about the 60s, but they say if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. So I'm going to ask about the 80s. Uh, I grew up a child of the 80s, grew up here in Chattanooga, and uh, in fact, I think I've got a picture. There I am. Look at that. Let me tell you, the turtleneck, what you can't see that well is that on this turtleneck right here, I had a chain, all right? You can't see it in this picture, but there was, there was a chain that was on the outside, and it had a warrior head on it because that was our school mascot. And let me tell you, that was cool. All right, the turtleneck and the, and the shirt, that was, that was cool. That looked good. And the, you know, the business in the front and the party in the back, that was cool. Man, that looked good. Some of you know you, you were there and, 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 you, and you lived through that. And if you lived through that, especially if you were here in, in Chattanooga, then that meant that, that meant that you lived through turning your radio to 106.5. How many of you had window wings? Anybody have window wings out there? Go ahead, raise your hands high. Show everybody that you, be proud, window wings right there. That's what they are. You get the KZ106 window wings and you put those on your car and every once in a while there would be the KZ106 van driving around Chattanooga and they would see your car with the window wings and all of a sudden they're on the radio. Here you're now listening to KZ106 and we want to say thank you for those of you out there Flying the window wings. If you have license number Georgia plate 506, you know, and it would go through this whole thing, call in now. And it was like, yes. And man, you're getting all excited. And then they would say, and this one's for you on KZ 106, 20 years and still rocking. Oh, it was awesome. Man, it was great. And if you were listening to KZ 106 in the 80s, you heard a lot of Van Halen. You guys remember Van Halen, right? Some of you walked in today and you were looking at the glory, praise, and honor, and you saw where it said, answering Van Halen's question. And you were like, I love this church, man. <laughs> Woo! All right, this is, this is great. Normally there's worship music playing beforehand, and you walked in today and it was like, I recognize that guitar riff. That sounds, that sounds like Eddie Van Halen, right? Uh, now, I know when we talk about Van Halen, we got to get this out of the way first. 
And if you weren't a part of the 80s, you don't realize this, but there, there were two different Van Halens. And so some of you, this is your Van Halen, right? With David Lee Roth, Jump, you know, all that. 80, 1984, that was their album that, that just went huge. And, and everybody's like, all right, that's my Van Halen. For others of you, this is your Van Halen. And the guy there on the far right is Sammy Hagar. Now, when Sammy Hagar was the lead singer for Van Halen, they had a song that asked a very important question. How do I know when it's love? And man, they sang it with feeling, right? How do I know when it's love? And, he, and you got to get the hair, you know, and you're doing this and got the air guitar going on. And, and they would sing, I can't tell you, but it lasts forever. How does it feel when it's love? It's just something that you feel together. Oh, man, I don't know how people dated that didn't grow up in the 80s. I mean, I don't know what you dated to. I don't know what you did, especially guys, people today. I mean, what in the world do people listen and date to and break up to? There's no good monster ballads anymore for people to break up to. You can't go make a mixtape when you're crying, right, and everything's going bad. You can't sit there at night in your room listening to KZ106, hoping that the request line will play your song because you've got the cassette tape in your player and you've got the record button mashed down with the play button and you're waiting, right? Yeah, I see you shaking your head. You've been there, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, and now on KZ106, Van Halen's Is This Love? You're like, yes, here we go. And, and you mash it and you record it and then you take it to school the next day. Oh, you take it to school the next day and you give that mixtape to your special someone because you were in love. How did you know? <laughs> I don't know, but it felt good together, right? That's it. Well, here's what I want to do. I want to answer Van Halen's question today. Because I think that Scripture speaks to the question, how do, how do we know when it's love? I mean, really, when, when, when it's love, how, how, do you, how do you know if you love somebody? If you love your spouse, if you love your parents, if, if you love another Christian, if you if you love music, if you love chicken, if you, you notice how we use love for weird things, right? I mean, we throw out love more often than our president tweets, you know? I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. Oh, was that too quick? Was that too early? I'm sorry. I thought we could do that by now. I didn't know. All right. Anyway, hey, let's try to answer this question. We've been going through 1 Corinthians 13. And we've gotten to this section where it says, listen, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. How do you know when it's love? Well, God gives you a love test. And it's right here in this particular text. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. If you want to separate the fact from the factual, if you, if you want to know what is purely feeling and emotion and what is genuine love, then here's some things you can ask yourself. Do I encourage this person to do what is right? Do I encourage this person to do what is right? For true love, another translation says, takes no pleasure in other people's sins, but delights in the truth. So, for instance, a young woman calls another and says, we're friends, right? She says, yeah, we're friends. Great. Well, if my husband asks, you tell him we were together at the movies last night. 
but we weren't. I know, but I was, well, I was with somebody else. And hey, you'll do this for me, right? I mean, because, because we're friends and we're tighter than sisters. Does this person pass the test? No. And how do you know? Because love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. If you find yourself prompting evil in others, then you need to heed the alarm. It's not love. And if others are prompting evil in you, then you need to be on alert. And here's a classic example. Young couple are on a date. His affection goes beyond the comfort zone and she resists, but she try, he tries to persuade her with the oldest line in the book. But I love you. I love you. And if you loved me, and this is where the siren should be going off. It's the phony love detector. This guy doesn't love her. Oh, he may love being with her. He may love her body. He may love boasting to his buddies about his conquest, but he doesn't love her. And here's why. True love will never ask the beloved to do what he or she thinks is wrong. It won't happen. So for those of you who are in this dating situation right now, those of you who are married, all of a sudden you can tune out just for a minute. I'm going to talk to your kids. I'm going to talk to your grandkids for just a minute. True love will never ask the beloved to do what he or she thinks is wrong. When you're looking at the relationships you have, when you're looking at the dating, when you're looking at the time that you're spending with another person and you're trying to decide, is this the one and could this be what I have been waiting for? If in that relationship you were continually having to compromise your convictions in order to be able to hold on to the one true love, then you need to run and not walk away. You need to run and not walk. Because that person is not truly in love with you. Because love does not tear down the convictions of others. It's quite the contrary. Listen to 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1. Love builds up. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 10, whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light and will not cause anyone to stumble. And how about this one, 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 12, you are sinning against Christ when you sin against Christians by encouraging them to do something that they believe is wrong. If you want to know if what you're feeling is love, if you want to know if it's genuine or not, then consider what it is that you are being asked to compromise. Consider what you are asking others to compromise. How have your convictions changed since you have been with this person? Because understand, when, when all of a sudden our, our beliefs run head-on into an opportunity to, to hold on to love or to, or to sacrifice something that we believe in, we, we will either change our beliefs and convictions to fit the situation or we'll leave the situation in order to maintain the integrity of our beliefs. So what do you do? Do I influence this person to do what is right? Is this person that I'm in this relationship with encouraging me to do what is right? If you answer yes, then go have a cup of coffee. Then enjoy that date. Enjoy all the plans that you're making. Now, if you want to be doubly sure, however, Ask this next question. How do you know when it's love? Do you applaud what is right? 
For love rejoices whenever truth wins out. One version puts 1 Corinthians 13, 6. I can remember my sophomore year in high school, dressing out for the high school football team, big deal. Freshmen didn't play on the varsity squad, and so when you're a sophomore, you finally got to, to travel with the team, and you got to be on the sidelines, and hopefully you were able to get some playing time. Well, I had a, a senior that was ahead of me in the pecking order, but we end up going to play at what it was known as Northwest Whitfield, or, or excuse me, Northwest Georgia High School then. Now it's Dade County. And we went to play on their old field, and it, there was this huge monsoon that was coming down that day. And it rained all day, and it rained all night, and that football field was just a quagmire. And we got out to go through warm-ups, and lo and behold, if the guy that played in front of me didn't twist his ankle in the mud. Now, I would love to tell you that at that moment I sat down and had a prayer for him. Uh, that I went and helped him off the field and told him how sorry I was that he had been injured and I hoped that he would be able to walk it off and everything would be great and that how much we needed him and how much the team was behind him because of the importance that he gave us. But I've got to be honest, I was just going, Woo, I get to play, I don't have to have a white jersey. See, we were the visiting team and we had the white pants and we had the white jersey and if it's a quagmire out there, guess what you do not want to end the game with? Yeah, you got it. Some of you have been there before. You always know the people that played and the people that watched, right? And sometimes, those of you that were watching, you just laid down in the puddles and kind of did like this, right? Just, just in case, when nobody was watching, so that you could walk off. But I actually was going to get to play, and I was rejoicing in my teammate's misery. I was excited that he had twisted his ankle. And I was even thinking past that particular week, and I was looking forward to the next game thinking, you know what, this could be really serious for him. And I know that that might be a problem for his family, and I know that could, you know, cause some issues with schooling and different things, and maybe just ruin his entire senior year. <laughs> but I want to play next week. I didn't care, right? Love rejoices whenever the truth wins out. You know, it's funny to laugh at things like high school football days, but the passage becomes more intense. The expectations all of a sudden prick us a little harder. When it goes from football to thinking about things that take place at work, when it comes to looking at different ministries within the church, when it, when it comes to even looking at your own brothers or sisters in your family and thinking about the competition that sometimes exists there. You know, we don't always rejoice when truth wins out. And then we hear the Apostle Paul say something like this in Romans 12 and verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We're like, no, not if it puts me in the starting lineup. Not if it gets me the bid. Not if it allows me to be on top. Not if it puts my name in the paper. Not if everybody knows what I did. Then do you really love? You see, love applauds what is right. If you want to plumb the depths of your love for someone, how do you feel when the other person succeeds? Are you a jealous person? Or do you rejoice? What about when he or she stumbles? What about when they fall into misfortune? 
When the neighbors across the street all of a sudden have to sell their boat, when all of a sudden they're putting the for sale sign in the yard, are you secretly pleased? Love never celebrates misfortune. Like the way the message paraphrase puts this, love doesn't revel when others grovel, but takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. You know your love is real when you weep with those who weep, you rejoice with those who rejoice. And you know your love is real when you feel for others what Catherine Laws felt for the inmates at Sing Sing Prison. Her husband, Lewis, became the warden in 1921. She had three small children at the time, and people told her, do not go into the prison, and especially do not take your young girls there. And yet, no matter the warning, she would not listen. And so when the first basketball came, came around, there she comes with the girls in tow, and they sit there in the bleachers with the inmates. She once said, My husband and I are going to take care of these men, and I believe they will take care of me. I don't have to worry. When she heard that one of the convicted murderers was blind, she taught him Braille so that he could read. She learned that there were inmates who were hearing impaired, so she studied sign language so that they could communicate. And for 16 years, Catherine Law softened the hearts of the men at Sing Sing Prison. But then in 1937, word came to the inmates that there had been an accident Their warden, Lewis Laws, did not report for work that day. There was replacement, and the message finally came and spread that Catherine had been killed in a car wreck. The following day, her body was placed in her home that was three-quarters of a mile away from the prison. And when the fill-in warden arrived, he found all the inmates pressed up against the front of the gates, trying to get as close as they could Their eyes were awash with tears. Their faces were solemn. No one spoke or moved. They wanted to get as close as they could to the person who had showed them love. And this fill-in warden, which perhaps this was his last day, made the decision and said, all right, men, you can go, but be sure and check back in tonight. No lie. These were some of America's hardest criminals. They were murderers and they were robbers. These were the men that the nation had locked away, but the warden unlocked the gate, and they walked to the law's house without escort, without guard, and they went to pay their last respects to Miss Catherine. And to a man, each one returned that evening. You see, real love changes people. It changes people. Didn't it change you? I mean, the first time that you truly experienced the love of God. You were the prisoner that was blind. You couldn't see beyond the grave. You could not understand your your purpose in life until it was shown to you. You couldn't hear either. Your ears were functional, but every time you opened up the Word, it just seemed like that Scripture was speaking to somebody else. Surely not you. And then finally, God spoke your language. And you were set free. And you were free, free to run away, free to harden your heart, free to duck into back alleys and hide behind trash cans. But you didn't, or or if you did, you came back. Why? Because you had never experienced a love before like this one. You see, this is the thing. God passes the love test. Van Halen asked the question and says, well, how do we know when it's love? And the answer from Scripture is that if it looks like God, then it's love. If it acts like God, it's love. Think about it. Does God want the best for you? James 1 and verse 13. 
says, God himself does not tempt anyone. Every action under heaven has got one aim, that you might know God. Listen to Acts 17, beginning in verse 26. He made the whole earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for, for living beings so that we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. Have you ever thought about how God rejoices over us when we do what is right? Psalm 147, verse 11, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who puts their hope in his unfailing love. Does he weep with you? Does he, does he feel your pain and, and does he offer comfort? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, the God of all healing counsel, he comes alongside of us when we go through hard times. Do you want to know what love truly looks like? Then listen to 1 John 4 and verse 10. This is what real love is. It is not our love for God. It is God's love for us. He sent his son to die in our place to take away our sins. That's the God test. That's how I know when it's love. So let's wrap this up. What do you do? First thing I want to say is be careful. Be careful. Before you walk down the aisle... Take a good, long look around. Make sure that it's the place that God intended for you to be. And if you suspect that it isn't, then get out. There's no problem with putting on the brakes. There's no problem with saying, we need to stop and think about this. There's no problem with saying, you know what? Maybe we need to, maybe we need to pray on this more. Maybe we need to, to just... Give it some time. And until love is stirred, let God's love be enough for you. You know, I think there's seasons of time that we go through where God allows us to feel the frailty of human love so that we can understand his love better. Think about what happened in the life of David. Saul turned against him. Michael, his wife, betrayed him. Jonathan and Samuel could not go with him into the wilderness, even though they were his friends. Betrayal and circumstances left him all alone, and he was all alone with God. And so here's what David wrote, Psalm 63. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. If you cannot be satisfied with God's love, then hear me. You will never be satisfied with the love of a man or a woman. And you will just keep searching. And you will just keep looking until God's love provides all. So be careful. And then be prayerful. You say, well, what if it's too late? Especially, what happens if I've married someone and I just don't know if I'm in love? Or what if I don't think that they're in love with me anymore? You may choose to leave, but before you take that step, by all means, will you take a thousand others first and bathe every one of those steps in prayer? Love is a fruit of the Spirit, and God... God heaps love upon those who ask for it. Romans 5 and verse 5, God has given us the Holy Spirit who fills our hearts with love. And ask everyone that you know to pray for you, your friends, your family, your church leaders. Get your name on every prayer list that's available. And most of all, pray for and if possible with your spouse. Ask the same God who raised the dead to resurrect the embers of your love. And you're sitting there this morning saying, I prayed. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. 
and the love that I wanted to have and the love that I wanted to receive and the love that I wanted to give. The only thing you and I can control is the person that looks back at us in the mirror. We can't control the decisions of others. We can't control the, the words that other people speak. We cannot control the choices that other people make. But we do control the way we respond. We do control our own actions. We do control where prayer leads us after we say amen. And so if your prayer time has led you to a point where you look and say, but I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get to show the love that I wanted to show then may I send you to the source of true love. May you go to the cross again and see the love of Jesus Christ poured out for you and understand that for God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son. And even though others may reject the love that you want to give, and even though you might not receive the love from another human being that you so desire, that God has said, I will never reject you, I will never leave you, you will never be alone, and you will never be far from my love. And allow Him to bathe you in what love truly is. And last, be grateful. Be grateful for those who love you. Be grateful for those who have encouraged you to do what is right and applauded you when you did. Teens, be thankful for your parents. Those of you who are young adults, especially if you had parents who maybe they stayed on your case and maybe they were hard on you, but they encouraged you to do what is right. They taught you right from wrong. They applauded you when you were able to succeed. They wept with you even in your failures. Will you be grateful? Will you send them a note? Will you, will you send them a message? Will you take them out for a meal? Will you give them a phone call? Do you have people in your life like that? And if you're doubly blessed, just be grateful for them. Be grateful for your Father in heaven because He passes this test with ease. It's good to know where love actually comes from. It's good to know what love is. And guys, as much as I enjoyed listening to the music of the 80s and all of those monster love ballads, I still grew up understanding that there was only one place to discover what love truly was. It wasn't from MTV. It wasn't from KZ 106. It wasn't from watching movies. It wasn't from watching people that I went to school with. It wasn't even from watching my parents. I learned what true love was by seeing God. And my prayer for you is that you will see that love, that it will change you, and that will use, you will use it as the test to answer Van Halen's question. How about we sing some songs that are spiritual? How about we sing some songs that lead us to the throne of God? We sing some songs that encourage us to share the love that has been given to us by God. Derek's chosen a couple for us to sing together. We're going to stand and encourage one another. And if you need to come to confess sin, if you need to come asking for prayer, if you need to come saying, I'd love to be baptized into Christ because of my faith in Jesus, whatever your need might be, let's enjoy the love of God as we sing.